0: Welcome, everybody, to a special Friday episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast, Friday, February 23rd. Mark Schofield in the big chair, and we're going to do some cornerback talk today, mainly because, look, we all know we can see the handwriting on the wall. Malcolm Butler probably on his way out of town. The Patriots will have to address cornerback during this offseason. I assume they will do it via the draft, and we're going to dive into some potential draft corners. And who better to do that with? Then the one and only Luke Inman. He's been on the show already. You heard him talk O-line. Now he's going to talk corners with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman, S-P-I-N-M-A-N. Luke, my friend, the host of the Draft Rap Podcast. How are you, buddy?
1: Hey, appreciate you having me on for an encore, man. And, and what a perfect day to talk cornerbacks. I uh, obviously, Marcus Peters just minutes ago traded a, a huge, I mean, we love blockbuster trades in the NFL. It's so fun. But but to see him go to the Rams now, very interesting. We were talking behind the scenes what the compensation's going to be for Marcus Peters. I got to think at least a one and a lot of change, maybe a, a third or a future two, things like that. But uh, again, I mentioned to you before the scenes, reminds me of the Deion Sanders. Path just a, yeah. a an all pro talent, but again a guy that because he was so colorful off off the field uh, for multiple reasons flip flops from teams like the Falcons to the Niners, eventually six with the Cowboys. We'll see what happens with Marcus Peters and the Rams. Exciting day though to talk corners
0: definitely. And before we get into the corners, I just want to throw this out there and you know it's interesting you know being an AFC guy getting a chance to talk to an NFC guy. You see a move like this, and I can't help but feel like the balance of power in the league continues to shift sort of from AFC to NFC. When you see a team like the Rams load up, add some stuff on defense, clearly they were a playoff team last year. It just seems to me like another day where the NFC seems to be getting a little bit better.
1: It's wild, man. I mean, again, you you go backwards and look at the playoffs last year when they started. I said any of the six seeds that made it in the playoffs to the NFC Um, could justifiably get hot and beat the number one seed in the AFC, whoever that may have been. And again, we're talking about teams like the Rams, who scare the hell out of you towards the end. And and again, a lot of other powerhouses that are young, but getting better. And I think, too, you look at the, the top of the first round, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Houston should have had the fourth pick Denver the Jets. I mean AFC really at the bottom of the barrel right now to see a star like Marcus Peters flip from the AFC to the NFC uh, as a Viking fan. I'm not in love with it man. Right.
0: I bet. I bet. All right. Let's dive into some quarters now and you suggested four names here that we're going to jump into. I want to start with a guy that was recently mocked to New England. I forget who it was. Might have been Albert Breer. Might have been Peter Kent. Mm -hmm. Somebody did this. Isaiah Oliver from the University of Colorado mocked to the Patriots at 31. What are your thoughts on the Buffalo's corner?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, why I picked the four names that we'll get into is because I don't think, and it's similar to the quarterbacks right now all of them could be justified as the number one corner taken. Combine is going to be huge, especially for a guy like Oliver to start seeing some of these guys separate. But I love this cornerback class, especially at the top. And again, you mentioned Isaiah Oliver, Colorado, could be a true front runner to be the top uh, cornerback taken. I think what intrigues me and really going to entice a lot of coaches about Oliver, he's tall, he's got the long arms, kind of polished technique already. And again, it's physical skills that you can't teach to be a number one corner listen a lot of quarterbacks didn't really test Oliver last year he still managed to pick off a few passes but I think Oliver could be the first cornerback off the board if he can have a great combine again he's going to measure in very well again tall physically imposing guy and if he can rub any run anywhere in the four fours uh, that's just a cherry on top so I think Isaiah Oliver kind of a little bit of the unknown going in. But again, I think once we see his combine performance, man, watch out. He could be the talk of the town once everybody leaves Indy.
0: You mentioned the combine being pretty critical for Oliver. Mm-hmm. What are you sort of looking for coming out of Indy from him?
1: Well, I think, you know, the number one drill, or there's a few drills that you can really um, dissect and take away from the cornerbacks from Indy, as opposed to some other positions. It's not really a great um, kind of uh, meter stick to really gauge some of these guys, but the hip drills. I mean, you want to see how fluid these guys are in their back pedal, um, how fluid they are in their hip turns. And then again, just if they can naturally catch the ball, you know, it, it sounds silly, but sometimes these guys aren't the most natural pass catchers either so I think the hips the feet those are two things that pop out quite a bit from the combine stemming off that though I mean that's kind of the general rule for all corners but I want to see again how tall Oliver is I want to see his wingspan I want to see again that 40 time things like that that um, again could really separate him from some of the other names we're about to get into
0: Yeah, when you look at Oliver, what do you see from him from like a scheme fit perspective? Do you see him better in zone or man or what do you think on that?
1: Yeah, I I think again, because of the physical nature of him, the way he's built those long arms, I'd love to see him in a press type of scheme, a man type of scheme. But I think again, you know, as as much as we talk about um, corners being able to shift from the outside to playing nickel corner and how important having a slot corner is, I'd really like to see Oliver stay on the outside as a boundary corners so um you know not necessarily limited to just a man scheme I think he could play zone if you need him to but I think a press type of style and then again keeping him on the boundary makes the most sense and Mark you tell me I mean does that make sense for the Patriots and and Bill Belichick scheme you would know better than me but I think again those are kind of the strengths or where I would want to maximize his skill set
0: No I mean I completely agree with that I mean New England they're going to want to do a lot of that They're going to want to do a lot of cover one Mm -hmm. You know have your guys in sort of press man situations. sometimes put you on an island And say look you know we're going to just put Our corners on an island we're going to expect you To lock down the guy you're Across from and then rely on Linebacker safeties to take care of everything else In the middle of the field just go out and do your job That's kind of their thing right
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and again, too, I mean, you'll know this a little bit better than me that the Patriots roster itself. But again, sounds like Butler on the way out, right in on the wall. Then going from there, who are the top two or three guys? Are they etched in stone already, Mark? Would you say Stephon Gilmore or, or you're going to have to refresh me, Eric Rowe? How did he kind of finish the season or is there another third guy that I don't really know too much about yet?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're looking at Gilmore definitely being your number one corner. Okay. So you're looking to add a guy to put across from him. Rowe is probably going to be, you know, your slot guy, your number three corner, and then after that, it's Johnson Batamosi, who's more of a special teams guy. Okay. Drafted Cyrus Jones in 2016 out of Alabama, Alabama. but just that has not panned out well. They like I like Jonathan Jones, Auburn, the Auburn kid. He did some stuff on crossers, but you know. That's still pretty thin and quarters go down. You need quarters in this league. It's a passive league. So you know, yeah. even if th- that's their four right there or that's their five right there, you're still gonna want to make an addition. So I still think you're looking so, so, at somebody.
1: Yeah, so just uh, again recapping that it seems like Gilmore's their one etched in stone But we're really trying to find and develop a true number two cornerback after letting Butler go, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what you're looking at and you know with these guys that we're going to talk about I, I all think could step in and be that type of guy
1: absolutely and again you're kind of in that sweet spot too not to not to veer too much off topic but you're kind of in that sweet spot too where again I mean there's about four or five different big names that again could all justifiably be the number one corner and vice versa somebody if not two or three of these guys are going to slip right in New England's lap again I had a guy like Marcus Davenport being mocked there again I just think that would be fun for Bill Belichick to develop but cornerback again understanding and talking with you a little bit more knowing New England's uh, again, a little bit more of a pressing need than maybe I was led on to believe as that number two corner. This could be a great sweet spot for New England sitting at thirty-one.
0: Yeah, look, and like we talked about when we were doing the old line, they've got to pick early in the second too. So That's they could right. theoretically wait. They could, if a Davenport, like you said, falls to them, right. they could go Davenport at thirty-one and then see which one of these guys potentially is there when they pick early in the second. And a guy that that could be. Next guy we're going to talk about is the kid from Louisville, Jair Alexander, kind of a feisty kid, had some injury troubles. What can you tell us about him?
1: Yeah, you just said it, feisty. I mean, physical cover man, kind of that, um, you know, uh, there's a certain type of feistiness or cockiness or confidence that you have to have in, in the NFL to be a true number one corner. Hey, you can be a, a great kind of a two or three number corner in this league, but if you want to be one of those number one true shutdown corners, you do. I mean, it sounds a little silly, but you got to have that kind of cockiness uh, to go with the position. We see Jalen Ramsey, already one of the best young cornerbacks in the league, um, already kind of known for making a, a name for himself as getting in the head of some of these guys. And I think J- Jair Alexander from Louisville is that guy in this class. I think he's very feisty, like you said, especially around the line of scrimmage, too. I, I love to see, again, him jam a lot of receivers, getting the heads early on. Um, we talked about Marcus Peters right away. I remember cutting his tape up from Washington. Nobody was more aggressive and kind of bullied his opponents at the line of scrimmage like Marcus Peters. I see a little bit of that in Jair Alexander, and I love that. Now, 5'11", 192", we'll see again, what he kind of measures in or comes in at the combine. But I don't think again, you know, he's going to match up physically as imposing as like an Isaiah, Isaiah Oliver, who we just mentioned from Colorado. But again, uh, Alexander, again, don't let the, the weight or maybe length fool you. He plays a lot bigger than what he really is. And I know he, you know, the big thing for him, I know he um, was held out quite a few games. I don't know how many games in the 2017 season, but he was hurt. And, and, uh, you know, had he been able to put together a full stretch of games, I think, again, Jair Alexander uh, would be talked about a lot more. Now that we're in draft process and draft season, he's starting to get exposed in a good way quite a quite a bit more. But um, had he been able to stay healthy this 2017 season, I think uh, a lot more people would know about Jair Alexander because he's really that good
0: do you think sort of that feistiness that aggressive nature he has his willingness to sort of get down mm-hmm. the other line of scrimmage press guys do you think that could be a problem for him as he sort of transitions to the nfl where you know we watch these games there are flags thrown on almost yeah. every single play like do you think that's an issue that might sort of you know hurt his development a little bit because he's going to get flagged he's going to be taught to maybe be a little bit more conservative with his hands like do you think that's right. an issue
1: Yeah, it's a fair question, Mark. You bring up a great point because, uh, you know, I was chopping up Denzel Ward's tape, who we'll get here in a second, and another guy who, again, very grabby, undersized. So when when you match up, especially now in the NFL – with some of these bigger, physical, imposing receivers that, to be honest, they're just not used to lining up against. Uh, And you're already having problems with with bigger guys at college, and now you get to the NFL. Um, It's certainly a concern. And I think back to Mike Zimmer when he first got here. uh, He had to throw boxing gloves on Xavier Rhodes to start to train him and really start to, again, get rid of some of those bad habits of being grabby cornerbacks. Trey Wayne's similar problem. Problems. very grabby again uh, with these physical more imposing guys now Rhodes is a little bit bigger uh, one of the bigger more physical imposing press kind of cover corners but Trey Waynes is not and he never will be and I think that was always and still is kind of a work in progress I think that might be a similar case to Jair Alexander where you're gonna have to work on that a little bit um, and I think certainly too that Uh, You know, he needs to find the right coach to help him do that. So as enticing as these four or five names are in the first round, if they don't match up with the right coach to develop not only, uh, again, their their weaknesses now and transition from college to the pros, um, but also maximize the skill sets that they have. um, I think that's where, again, you, you, you don't live up to maybe the potential that you were hoping like a. I'm trying to think of a good example like a Byron Jones now Byron Jones hasn't been bad at all but you know you get the physical stuff the athlete the kind of freak numbers from the combine and I'm not sure again he's ever lived up to that high or will ever live up to that that maybe potential so Jair very fun again feisty confident cocky like you said you brought up a great point mark might have some some issues transitioning though to those bigger more physical receivers in the NFL
0: Mark Schofield, Luke Inman going into some draft corners. The Patriots might have in mind with that pick at the end of the first round, or maybe that pick at the start of the second. We're gonna to move to the SEC now, Luke. Carlton Davis from Auburn, a little bit of a bigger guy, you know, at least listed at six one two oh three. What are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I love him. I think uh, he he's slowly, for whatever reason, started to trickle down um, towards the bottom five of these corners that we're talking. Um, some people might even have him as the sixth or seventh corner, more of that second round range. But I love him. I see, again, a physicality that kind of separates him from a lot of these other guys. Bigger, like you mentioned, and similar to Jair Alexander. He loves – I mean, he lives at the line of scrimmage. I think a zone scheme makes a lot of sense for him. Again, he's a physical guy with with good height and length. Um, but I think actually when you watch his playing style, I think, again, if you can keep his eyes on the quarterback, eyes towards the ball most of the time in that kind of, again, zone scheme or what, whatever you want to call it, I think – Carlton Davis, man, he makes a lot of sense for for teams that uh, run that style of defense. And, and again, I mean, when it's all said and done, if he is put in the right scheme, I think he could be one of the best of the bunch uh, two, three years down the road. But again, if you want to remember one thing from Carlton Davis, bigger physical guy, again, really lives at the line of scrimmage. Awesome and press. And I think, again, once you see him at the combine, what we got to see, how are the hips? How are the feet? Right. Um, you know, the back pedal. Doubt he's going to be um, quite as smooth as some of these other guys we're going to get into, but, you know, does he look stiff? I mean, uh, you know, how well can he move uh, in some of those drills? going to be very interesting to see him at the Combine when he's put through all those drills and tests.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned, Luke, the ability to sort of impress situations, and that's an area where I think Davis kind of stands out, even though, like you said, probably best suited for a zone scheme. He can still, like we've talked about with the Patriots, roll down over receiver, get a jam on him, and work man coverage in those situations. Right. Right? Yeah,
1: and again, I think, too, that I may in the beam I might be in the minority on that take, by the way, Mark. I, I think most people, again, are going to just assume or put him in that stereotype because he's one, because he's bigger, you know, he's well build at over 200 pounds and has got the length that he's got to be a press or man guy. And and again, you go off the film, really good press. But I still think he's at his best, again, um, staying around, you know, 5-10 yards of the line of scrimmage um, kind of alleviates a lot of room for error with maybe those stiff feet or stiff hips. And again, I think he's at his best when he's got the eyes towards the line of scrimmage, eyes towards the quarterback, eyes towards the ball. I think that's where he's at his best. I may be in the minority on that, but again, And just watching the tape that I have on him, I really like what I see again near and at the line of scrimmage.
0: All right, look, we're going to close things out. Our fourth guy we're going to talk about here. and This is a guy that I know you like. You're looking at him as a top 10, top 15 type pick. You've recently done some work on him. You basically said he has off-the-chart speed, foot quickness, and athleticism that allows him to drape himself all over opposing targets. That's Denzel Ward over Ohio State. I know you've got a breakdown on him. What have you learned chopping up his film?
1: Yeah. chopped up all the film. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, I, I was just blown away by just just throw on the tape of Denzel Ward and watch the feet. Forget about everything else. Turn off the music. Put it on mute. Just watch the feet and the hips. Uh, he, he's really, again, I think the best in this class from an athleticism standpoint and i think also that the combine's going to prove that he's only going to again i think rise his stock a little bit more now he is undersized uh, uh, hopefully he can even hit 511 511 and a half we'll find out doesn't have the length that you want for the prototypical again cover corner but the speed the feet the the hips uh, i think they're so smooth he's able to really keep his hips locked in because his backpedal's so good and quick um and it doesn't allow him to bite on double moves or things like that. So he's always in the hip pocket of a lot of receivers. The downside of Ward, again, undersized, doesn't have the length. He's kind of grown into this maybe bad habit of uh, not snapping his head around. That's the one thing I noticed quite a bit. Doesn't get his head around on a lot of balls. Um, The good news is he's almost gotten so good at that, I guess, quote-unquote flaw or bad habit that his ball skills – are off the charts. I mean, he really almost is one of these guys that um, will – will glue onto the receiver and watch and wait for him to start to haul in the ball and then immediately swat it away. I mean, he's very good with his hands, um, but you have to have really good just awareness right. um, to be able to do that. I was just blown away by that. So um, certainly not flawless again, doesn't snap that head around. Great doesn't have the length and there's nothing you can do about that. Um, I'm worried about him at press or line of scrimmage at the NFL level. But as far as again, Foot quickness, fluid hips, speed, and again, really ball skills, too. Denzel Ward's at the top of the charts. He should I'd be I'd be shocked if he didn't run in the four fours maybe even sub four four and if he can do that lock him up again I mentioned in the video cut up maybe Green Bay at 14 Miami depending on what they do um, at 11 and then Oakland at 10 all makes sense I think for Ward but again combine's going to be huge for these corners when they're thrown through these uh, drills and tests Uh, I think any one of them could kind of leapfrog the rest and become the number one corner
0: so Luke, let's get you out of here on this one again, like I did the last time. We were on, ask you to walk into a scary place, and that's the mind of Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. If you go corner, say uh, I'll ask a two-part question. If you go corner at thirty-one, who you would you like to see there? And if you go corner with that first pick in the second instead, who would you like to see there?
1: Yeah, well, first, again, you mentioned the two picks in the second round. Love that for the Patriots. Uh, Super fun and excited, and again, to go over the different scenarios that you can hope for. I think Mike Hughes or Jair Alexander make a lot of sense in that first pick, but I'll say this. I think Carlton Davis is going to get slipped down a little bit because, again, some of these other corners are going to be so fluid and run a faster 40 time and things like that, a three-cone and all that. And I think Bill Belichick could really do a lot of great things with Carlton Davis. I think he fits a lot of the things that he would want him to do. Uh, And I think... If somebody like a let's just say like an Arden Key, Harold Landry, Marcus Davenport, you want to pull the trigger on a guy like that in the first round or even if they let Nate Solder go, maybe a Mike McGlinchey um, or somebody else of that nature. Pull the trigger on that kind of talent in the first round. I think you could get Carlton Davis with that first pick in the second round. Kind of that 40 to 50 range, I think, is probably more realistic for Carlton Davis. I think you're getting great bang for the buck, great value. And I think, again, under a guy like Bill Belichick, again, Carlton Davis could be the best of the bunch in two, three years. That's a great way to maximize, again, the value of those picks. Uh, it, it with your first two picks. And then you still got that second, second-round right. pick as well. Um, you know, have at it, uh, kind of a more of a luxury pick at that point to do whatever you want. I'm sure a running back, if you do let Dion Lewis go, uh, depending on how you guys feel about the rest of the bunch, I'm sure one of these great running backs will fall into your lap as well um, with that second, second-round pick. So that, for me, would be the dream scenario in a situation like that.
0: Luke fantastic stuff as always before we go I'll turn the mic to you you mentioned that Denzel Ward video tell people where they can check that out as well as what you've got coming down next in the pipeline
1: yeah appreciate it Mark yeah very much uh, again had a, had a good video cut up kind of a video breakdown of Denzel Ward chopped up balls Tate uh, check that out on my Twitter, again, at Luke underscore Spinman. You can check out all my draft work, though, not only now, but throughout uh, the the entire draft season on ZoneCoverage.com. That's ZoneCoverage.com.
0: Fantastic stuff from our friend Luke. Please do follow him on Twitter, as you can tell. Man, I think two shows in a week, that Woo! tells you. How much I think of Luke right there. He's a fantastic guy to follow. One of the best people in this business. That will do it for today's show. I will be back Monday. The Mailbag Monday. Until then, keep it locked right here with me, Mark Schofield. And Locked on P.